According to Barna, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast Season 2. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you? We're finally here. Season oh, my 2. my goodness. Yeah, what a crazy season it's been. It has been, and we're so excited. I'm so excited. I don't know if you are or not. I'm not going to assume to speak for you, but I'm really excited. We're both really excited for Season 2. These are going to be incredible conversations with pastors and leaders, and we are particularly going to be taking on COVID and how that affected the church and post-COVID, what the church is going to look like in the future, because I'm not sure if you've noticed, but things have changed a little bit, and I don't know if they're ever going to go back to what they were or if they even should go back to what they were. So lots of questions, lots of pastors that I've talked to that are seeking answers, and, and so I thought, well, let's ask some of our pastor friends and leaders, some of the most influential leaders in North America, pastoring, and ask them what their opinion is and what they're sensing. We've had we've got some great conversations coming up. Absolutely, and this whole season has uh, exposed um, just like, what God is doing in the church as a whole, and so the different insights that we're going to get from different pastors across from different geographical areas is going to be, um, I think, just going to lead us to giving us a greater picture of what God's doing with the Big C Church. Yeah, it's so good. And uh, another thing that you might notice different about season two. Uh, is in season one, we dealt with a lot of practical how-tos. This one, we're going to get into a lot of the, the heart issues because I, I think God, I know for me personally and talking with a lot of pastors and leaders, God's been working on us internally and in, in deeper ways. And I think there's a lot of things that we are going to pull out of what God is saying in us. And I'm hoping and I'm thinking that even in the conversations that we've had so far, in this season, this one coming up in particular as well. I'm noticing that there's a lot of similar thoughts out there, even though we haven't talked with each other before, which indicates it's confidence that, hey, yeah, God's speaking to us the same things. Absolutely. You can't go through a season like COVID and not have a internal uh, transformation happen, and God always works from the inside out, so I'm excited to see what these pastors have to say. Yeah, and re- really we talk about the great reset. I don't know if you've heard this comment or not, but I think this has been an opportunity for God to do a great reset in the church. Some of that hurts. Some of that is uncomfortable for sure, but I think it's so necessary. And today's conversations with my friend Rich Birch, who is the the founder and leader of unseminary.com, which is a phenomenal resource that I'd highly recommend every pastor and leader go check out. He's a great thought leader when it comes to the church. He has lots of fruit behind his ministry, and he is one that really takes on uh, incredible. He's got contacts all around the world, and he's talks to the biggest, the best, the strongest, pastors everywhere he's talking with. And so we thought a great way to start season two is to have a conversation with Rich, who is Man, he's on the front lines of a lot of this thinking, and we talk and dive into detail about what the church is going through through COVID season and what it will look like in the future. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Rich Birch of Unseminary.com. Hey, Rich, welcome back to GoCast, my friend. It's so good to see you. How have you been doing? 
Oh, I'm doing great, Pastor Kelly. Super excited to be here on this call today. And, and you know, I, I'm on a podcast normally and I have a face for radio. So a little bit nervous about the fact that we're doing this on video too, but people should check that out on YouTube or whatever. It's always kind of fun, at least to see your handsome face and hair. So, you know, yeah. it's a good thing. <laughs> I don't know about that. I was just was commenting as I turned on my videos, like, man, it's time for a haircut. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I see, I see yes. you're all, you're, you're well taken care of. So we're good. Yep. <laughs> so man, it's that's been great. it's been uh a year now since uh COVID hit and that's been a yep. crazy year for crazy. all of us. So how have you been doing through all of it? Well, you know, I think it's been a mixed bag. You know, I think in some ways it's been really great. We've my my daughter is in university. She's in second year and my son graduated from high school in the spring and so you know, we were kind of bummed out by the all the final stuff with my son with high school, all that stuff basically got canceled. And my, my daughter, she, uh, you know, finished her first year at home, which that, that was really tough. And, you know, what, there was that big pivot, right. Where it went to like, okay, everybody's online now. And, but then they came back this fall online and that's actually gone quite well. And, um, and so that's in, I think in a better pattern and, Um, but it's, you know, it's been so, but the thing that has been nice is they've been around more, which is great. So my daughter, she's been at home more rather than, than being at, although we're still renting a place. We, it's funny. We signed a lease on a place like March 5th or something right before it all happened. So, uh, so she's, you know, she's kind of between here and school, which is, which is wonderful. So that's kind of the, the upside is we've, we've seen them more than we probably would have. Um, and then, you know, I think just all the changes, it's been quite the year to be serving church leaders and and to try to engage with them. And, yeah. you know, it's been fascinating to kind of see the, the impact of COVID uh, in just so many different ways. And, and, and it really continues. Like we're, we're still in, it, in some ways it feels like we're having the same conversations we were having a year ago. Uh, you know, it's similar kind of stuff. It's interesting. It is interesting. And, and one of the things I was going to say about having your, your kids at home and university kids and all the rest of it is, is the TikTok videos that you've been able to do as a family. Like, I mean, like those are like, those are epic. Oh, it's fun. You know, it's so my daughter is actually uh, sounds like a whole other conversation, but she is actually a kind of a you know big deal TikToker. She did a video last spring that took off and went viral, and so she's she does a lot of video, a lot of content on there, and so every once in a while. When we're back into lockdown, it seems like she gets me back into, uh, hey, you should do a video or whatever, which is which is Dad, fun. Dad, I want so you to I, dance. She, it's going to go viral. Yeah, it's going to be great. She's, as she says, she's laughing with me. I think she's <laughs> laughing at me, but uh, but it's fun. It's Again, you know, you try to cherish those moments and, and be like, hey, this is, you know, it's kind of a cool opportunity and uh, to, to be connected as family in, a, in a, obviously a bit of a strange season. Yeah, it's definitely been strange for all of us. And it's strange for, as you had mentioned about with, with church leaders and you're heavily involved with church leaders. So what have you been focused on, you know, working on in this season? Yeah, great question. So, yeah. So like I said, off the top, we run a podcast and courses and, and all this stuff under unseminary. And so that's really continued. We normally, it, it, it back way back March, April, if you were to ask me this time last year, I would say, Hey, we try to write evergreen content, content that that's not, time bound at all. That is like, you know, Hey, you can use it anytime. Even on the podcast, we try to have like evergreen content. Well, we threw that out the window in March and we're like, okay, (laughs) we can't keep doing that. Um, 
And so we've got become a lot more kind of specific and surgical and like, hey, what, what can we help you with now? Um, which I've really enjoyed. That's been kind of fun. And um, we've done a lot more content this year where we're always trying to expose great stories from churches and what church leaders are, are learning. But we've found some new ways to do that this year. And for years, I had said, I do coaching as well with churches. And for years, I, I had said, oh, I can't really do the online coaching thing. Like, I, And I would always say, I'm just no good at it. I'm no good at being on video. I would rather get on a plane and fly and come and see you. Well, that's all out the window. And so, um, and we've been doing these online cohorts with, with church leaders that are fully online and those have been going very, very well and people love them and they, they, it gets like the highest feedback that we, of anything we've done. Wow. And so there's a lesson there. I'm like, okay, I probably should have been, you know, doing that before, but, um, so that's, you know, a number of the things that, that we've kind of got on the go, some changes, some difference, uh, over the last year. Wow, that's that's so cool. We'll get we'll press into some of the conversations that you're having with pastors in a minute. But something else that you've taken on in this year's, I mean, talk to us about Camp uh, Mini OE that you're. I mean, now you're involved. You're an executive director for that. Were you bored or like what? What? what, what yeah, how, yeah, how did that all come questions. about? It? Yeah, so Camp Mini OE, it's a fantastic camp here north of Toronto, uh, in in Canada. Um, and in an area called Muskoka, which if you're aware, is just super beautiful part of the world. And so this was actually the camp that, um, the summer camp, like an overnight kids camp that I was involved in as a young person. And it was really the first place that trusted me with leadership when I, when they really shouldn't have, <laughs> when I was like 16, 17 years old. And, uh, it's, yeah, I counted a privilege to be the executive director there on top of everything else we're doing. Um, but it's, uh, our mission, although we run a kid's camp, our mission is really to develop, um, you know, to develop our, uh, to develop young leaders. And so we would say that our mission is to develop tomorrow's leaders through life-changing adventure in God's creation. And it's a, it's a, it's a really fantastic, interesting ministry. Obviously this year has been incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. We were closed last summer. We were closed by, uh, you know, the government officials, you know, last spring and we continue to be closed as so we're trying to figure out what to do next year. This, this coming summer would have been, or will be hopefully our 75th anniversary. And so it's interesting to steward a ministry like that, that's been around for so long. That's so different than, you know, lots of other things I've been involved in where it's like, they, you know, we celebrate a five year anniversary and it's like, that's a big deal. It's yeah. like, wow. Uh, where, you know, we're, we're, it would, it existed long before me and hopefully we'll pass it on to the next generation. It existed, uh, you know, long after. So yeah, it should be great. Man, that's a whole other podcast. Just learning how to take on the culture <laughs> of something that long established and done that. This is the first church that I've had to do that with as well. Every other church, I was either part of the planting team or planted it myself. And then this one came in and it was long established. And it's a totally different style of leadership. So there's a lot of lessons that you can learn in leading something with a 75-year history and yeah. stewarding it for the next generation and, and what's going on, absolutely. especially in a time like this. Right. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, it's cool. That's very It's an interesting cool. time. Yeah, it is an interesting time. Yeah. For, I mean, your <laughs> podcast is amazing. You guys just celebrated 1.5 million downloads. I mean, that's that's incredible. Congrats. That's awesome. Yes, it's uh, it's it, astonishing. You know, I used to joke um, in the first couple of years of the podcast when people would say, oh, I listened to the podcast. Uh, I, I would joke, I'd say, Oh, you and my mom. Um, and you know, I always was trying to find the other listener and, but that's obviously not the case. And yeah, super humble that people every week, thousands of church leaders every week decide to put us in their earbuds to, um, you know, to find, uh, you know, helpful tips and tools and tricks to help their church grow and reach more people. And so, you know, we're excited to be there, but yeah, 1.5 million downloads. 
Um, and it, it, there's a whole team that works on it, you know, similar to this. And it's definitely not just me. Uh, and we're just real honored to go through that that milestone. You know, it's we crossed a million, and I and I didn't really make a big deal about it. I just was like, it was literally like I just. I don't really look at the statistics. I probably should, but I just happened to look at the statistics and I was like, oh my goodness, we, we stepped over a million downloads and didn't even notice. So I said, well, when we get to a 1.5, we're going to throw a bit of a party. And so we did, we gave away a bunch of backpacks and Starbucks and all kinds of stuff. It was fun. That's, that's, that's awesome. And it is a great resource. So I highly encourage all pastors listening to, to tune in and, and uh, amazing, amazing content that you cover in unseminary.com. Uh, and and amazing content, not just the podcast, but all the resources you do and the conversations that you're hearing. I mean, you're you're having conversations with pastors, leaders all over the place. What are you hearing right now from pastors? Maybe a common theme or something you're commonly hearing from pastors, maybe because of COVID or or you know what's going to happen post COVID. What what are you hearing from pastors right now? Yeah, so I think there's um, a realization, regardless of where churches are at in their reopening process, that 2021 is is the year we're going to have to really focus on recalling people back into church and really getting them re-engaged in, in our ministries. And so that's even for those people that have been open and doing in-person services since, you know, since April last year, you know, those churches that were those areas where basically that, you know, they were closed for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and then they reopened. Even those churches are saying, hey, we've got to kind of focus in now as the vaccinations seem to be going well, relatively well across the, primarily across the states, not going so well in Canada. Not so well in Canada. Well I was just going to say. <laughs> across the states. Uh, yeah. But as as that rolls out, um, we need to think about, hey, what are, how are we kind of positioning our ministries to be able to, uh, you know, pull people back into our churches. I think that's one thing. I I think there's also people realize those churches that before March, 2020 were in the spot of saying, Hey, we're not doing church online. Obviously all of those churches are now doing church online. And, you know, I think there is still a real active conversation around what will this look like when the whole, when our, all our ministries are up and running again, because we kind of repositioned everything around running online, but we're not running anything else. And so how does all that work? And are we going to do, are we going to kind of go back to where we were, which was church online was basically just an online representation of what we were doing before, or are we going to do two separate kind of offerings? One that is really targeted at um, the online audience, and then one targeted at a, uh, an in-person audience. And then I think on top of all that, I'm probably giving you too much. I, there is a undercurrent of transitions and successions that are happening, particularly in the senior leadership roles. You know, I keep running into church leaders. Like I would say probably in the last year, I've had more conversations with church leaders than in the previous 10 years combined where people are saying, Hey, I'm looking at moving. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm changing locations. I'm, I'm retiring. I'm pulling out of this. I'm going to retire early. I'm going to, you know, I, I really do think that there is the, COVID, I think, has accelerated what was already there before, which we've seen a lot of other things with COVID. But we, we had a leadership crisis before this. We had an issue where we didn't have enough leaders to lead the churches that are there. I think that's accelerating in this season. Wow. We're seeing you know, more of that. Um, and so, yeah, there's lot, lots of opportunities, lots of things for us to work on. But those would be a few of the things that kind of come to top of mind when I think about kind of the post-COVID world. That's that's really interesting about the succession of transitions. Why do you think, I mean, why do you think other than, I mean, 
everything we've had to take a step back. COVID's forced us to take a step back and reevaluate everything. But other than that, like, why do you think this has pushed transitions to the forefront in a lot of pastors' minds? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it's a, a spectrum, but I think there's a few things that, you know, are kind of common. So I, I, a number of churches that I do kind of regular coaching with have during this season have started uh, had the whole conversation and closed on church merger conversations. Like mm. a year ago, they weren't engaged in these conversations and now they are. And a part of the mix of those, if you look at the common, and that this is true at any time, but it's been true in this season, has been transitions in the senior leaders of churches that were struggling, right? That churches that, hey, things weren't going well, and maybe the senior leader stepped out, and now the church is trying to figure out what do we do next? And so that creates an opportunity for for growing churches or, or leading churches to say, hey, we could help you in that. I think there is uh, there's a weariness in in leaders. I think we're realizing, remember way back in March, there was this, <laughs> there was this like two weeks to flatten the curve. It's just going to be a couple weeks. And then here we are a year later. Yeah. And I think if we're honest, if we look out ahead of us, the recovery is going to be ma- measured in months, if not years. Like it's uh, not, yeah. there is not going to be a silver bullet. I don't think that things are just going to snap back. I don't think people are just going to miraculously kind of come back in, although I would hope that would happen, but I think it's going to be a long road. And I think there are leaders who frankly are counting that cost and are saying, I just don't know. I don't know that I'm the person that can push that ball down the field. Um, I'm not sure I ha- I'm not sure that, you know, that th- kind of this next step is, is for me. Um, and I think, I think this, like any kind of major trauma, uh, that happens, it, it naturally puts people in a reflective mode mm-hmm. where they're thinking, hey, what it, where do I want to invest my life? Where do I want to uh, pour my energy? And I think those questions have come to the fore, uh, you know, in in this season. Man, I, I couldn't agree with you more about, uh, you know, I don't know that everything is going to just, there's going to be a magic silver bullet that everything's just going to come back and snap back to normal. I've, I've said to a number of leaders that it feels like, you know, the rubber band has been stretched beyond its, you know, mm. beyond its norm of ever going back to its original form. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think this is an opportunity um, that God is using for the global church worldwide right. to bring us into the next and into the new and into the fresh. And I think all of this transition, you know, we've we're all in transition in one form or another uh, through this time. But it's it's a uh, it's an un, a time of uncertainty which creates in in leaders an insecurity that is. <laughs> That is uncomfortable because we don't like, as leaders, we don't like uncertainty or, or <laughs> you know, and certainly not knowing and having people look at us like never before saying, what's next? What do we do? What do we do? Yes. Which, yes. which puts a whole lot more pressure on us as leaders to be able to have answers. So in this time, what yep. advice are you giving to, to pastors and leaders right now in preparing for the next? What's next? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I think in some ways... Well, I think the overall advice is we need to get really clear. This isn't really around the transition piece, but um, more kind of on the broader issues that are at play. I think for the foreseeable future, we have to be very clear on our communication strategies that we're working diligently on recall or that we're working on how are we communicating to recall the people who have you know, come to our churches before. And I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a preaching pastor. I preach, but I'm not, I don't do that for a living. I, I sometimes think that there are, you know, preaching guys out there or preaching pastors out there who think, 
you know, I just have to preach one message and then everyone will know. Um, (laughs) And then, and so in this case, it's like, well, I just need to preach the, we're reopening our church message and everyone will come back. Well, that's just not the case. Mm. You know, we've got to come up with a system of a systematic way over the next year to consistently get out in front of people and recall them back. We know that there's varying levels of anxiety around um, you know, the return, but we also know that there's varying lo- levels of a- empathy, frankly, where, or, or atrophy where people are just like, oh, they're not, they're not thinking about it. Their spiritual life maybe has deadened a little bit and, and, um, they're just not as engaged before. And so we've got to keep at that, those people, we've got to keep communicating with them. We've got to keep out in front of them and not allowing the kind of doom and gloom of like, oh my goodness, there's only, you know, only 50% of our people have come back and no one will ever come back again. That's just not the case. I was listening recently to a sociologist that was talking about, so it's a little bit of a bad news. He was like, Hey, um, we probably won't, we probably won't return to where we were at, even if the vaccines go as well as they were, as they're, as they're going until maybe 2024. Uh, but one of the things he pointed out was, in this season, there is, there should be one of the hallmarks of this season is an increased interest in spiritual things. He used the words religious things, but an increased interest in spiritual things. And, and we've seen this in our churches, right? People are asking kind of existential questions. They're asking the big questions of life. And now is the time for us to lean in and to say, we are here with an answer uh, and his name is Jesus. Now's the time for us to do that. And we can't give up on that in the season. We've got to keep out in front of people and we have to be probably more persistent than we normally have. You know, I think one of the things that this season exposed was, I think we probably used to take comfort in the number of people that sat in our rooms. So we would stand up on Sunday morning and doing announcements or teaching or leading worship. And we would look out and we'd be like, wow, look at all those people. Well, now none of those people are there or a lot less of those people are there. And that's an unsettling feeling for us as leaders. You know, before this season, it was really up to us to reach out and to draw people in. That was we were that was the job that God was calling us to. It's just become way more obvious in this season. Uh, it you know it's it's become you know in, incredibly important for us to take the active role in that. And so recall, I think, is a piece of that where yeah. we might before just like let's post some stuff on Facebook, but it's like no, we've got to get after people in lots of different ways to get in front of them. Uh, to and, and again, ultimately invite them to come back to be a part of what God has called us to do. That's so good. Now, now, I mean, you and 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 a number of other leaders uh, like yourself have been saying for years, like that we got to get outside the four walls of the church, and we got to get you know, and and pushing online and doing all that kind of stuff. Well, this last year has forced the church as a whole outside of its four <laughs> <That's> walls, <so> true. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, in many ways, and that's not such a bad thing. But it is a different thing. So talk to us about, you know, online church, because I think a lot of pastors make the mistake. I know I have, and this this season has has kind of you know recalculated my own thinking in in online yep. and what it is, where online was just a rebroadcast of what was happening in the building. But that when you mm-hmm. talk about online church, you're not, you're, you're not talking just about rebroadcasting what's happening in a room. You're talking about something a lot deeper. So talk to talk to pastors and leaders about effective online ministry, because we got to get that message to the people who aren't sitting in the chairs in front of us. Yes. Yeah, great question. So one of the things that is uh, painfully obvious in this season that all of these platforms, whether it's YouTube or 
Facebook, um, you know, the, even the church online platform that Life Church has put out. One of the things, the gifts that they that those platforms have given us is analytics numbers that show us uh, how people engage. Now, we would suspect as a communicator, you stand on a stage on a Sunday morning and you talk for 45 minutes or however long you're you're talking. You you in your brain have intuitively kind of come up with different ways to communicate because you assume ah oh, people are dropping off at this point like they're and it's whether it's like reading it's that weird thing of like reading the facial expressions of a few hundred people in the room in front of you or um you know or or it's you know just a leading of the holy spirit you realize oh like hey maybe this isn't working or you get a sense of oh this really is working like people are engaging with it now the amazing thing online is we have statistics to show you what that looks like and so my encouragement is probably to go two ways on that one um, we, we were really obsessed with this back in March, April, early on, but I would encourage you church leaders to get somebody nerdy in your leadership and to say, Hey, can you put together a report that shows us what are we learning from those statistics? What, what are, what are the trends we're seeing when people drop off? Where are they, where do they engage more? What kind of messages are they engaging more on? What are they, um, you know, what parts of our services do they drop off of? the platforms and not watch anymore. And I would say, take those learnings. Now don't fight them. They're just numbers. There's no bad information. There's just information you don't like. So there's going to be things when you see that, that you're going to be like, Oh, I don't like that. I don't. And, but that's okay. Take that and say, okay, with that information, how should we change our in-person services? What what is this now that we have this data that's from a fair sample size of our church? We we could tell you now what people think. How does that mean we should change what we do in person when we get back to that or if we're already back to that? But then also going the other way, well what if we what if we did more of what people seem to be engaging with online? Uh, what if we, what if we let the numbers drive the kind of content and the way we package that content in a way that would ultimately be more resident to the online experience? Uh, give you an example. So, uh, you know, I've been in ministry since the, the mid nineties and, uh, you know, I remember, do you remember like, this is, goes back into the eighties, the like Christian television boom of like PTL club yeah. and like. All those, like all those weird Christian television shows. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of them that did. This was so. This is now like even, probably even into the seventies. What they were doing is they would take some radio preacher, and it was a radio preacher who was on the radio, and they would say, "We're going to put you on TV." And what they would do is buy a desk and put a camera in front of that desk and have the radio preacher sit at the desk and preach. Now, the problem with that is that is not made for TV content. That that is radio content that you're rebroadcasting onto television. In a lot of ways, what we're I think what we're doing with with a lot of our church online experiences is the same thing. We're taking an offline experience and saying, let's just put a camera in the room right. and make it make it for this. Uh, and what uh, what a lot of those here here in Canada, there's a a, a a show called One Hundred Huntley Street figured out on the on the TV side was that actually the kind of variety show format actually works best in television. This idea of like a little bit of music, a eight minute segment on this, an eight minute segment on that, an interview, and away we go. Um, I would say that we need to be that. I would think beyond this, our church online experience. Uh, we'll probably look more like that. We'll have a more kind of mixed environment, much like shorter segments rather than the kind of long, you know, the long quote unquote 25 minute, 30 minute preaching segment. Um, you know, they'll have a lot smaller pieces, but again, we've got to, 
in some ways we've got we've got to let the statistics drive that we've got to let that you know figure out okay what is that what does that actually look like i also think church online in the future will look probably more like are you familiar with the if gathering this is um jenny allen's group uh mm. they they do so they do I'm not actually no um if if gathering is a, fant- a fascinating movement they they're uh, like a um, pr- primarily. I think I don't think this would be misrepresenting it. They primarily would target themselves as a women's targeted kind of Bible study movement, mm. and they have like um, big events like where they used to do pre-COVID like actual conferences, but then they would do weekly podcasts. They would do online discussion groups. They would do blogs, social content. They had a real. They had a whole bunch of ways to communicate. I think, frankly, that's what our churches are going to look like more in the future when it comes to online uh, content. It's, we're going to have a whole wide rep, a whole bunch of different kinds of content rather than the kind of weekly show, which we do in the offline world. It's like come to the you know hour and 25 minute or the two hour and 25 minute thing. Um, online seems to be driven much towards like how do we take that and cut it up into a whole bunch of small pieces and really have a whole bunch of ways for people to engage that's a bunch of ideas. Hopefully that's, that was that's really, redirecting. There, there's lots of gold in there. About? There's tons of gold in there. But what, I mean, the big thing that you're saying though is, uh, again, is not just um, broadcasting and hoping that someone tunes in. You're talking about engaging and, and finding ways of where people are engaging and double down on that and, and yep. really focus on the engagement that's going online and where people are engaging rather than just hoping that what your broadcasting is going to get traction. Yes. And uh, yeah, absolutely. The other piece of this puzzle is to think carefully about what is, what is it that God's called your church to be? How has God called you to be unique? Um, And, and to lean into that, Uh, we, what, what's pretty obvious in the online world is we don't need a thousand hill songs or we don't need a thousand insert, whatever, the churches that's kind of the you know the church that every every movement has their kind of church that everybody wants to be like north well, it's been, well, it's, been dis- or, it's been a disconcerting season really for a lot of us that go online when when all of our churches yes. were shut down because you know now we're competing with Stephen Furtick every week <laughs> like it's, yes. right and it's like Absolutely. okay right or we're competing with Hillsong's worship every week and going like okay how do we do that right absolutely and so i think i think the interesting so that was that was here before pre-COVID, right? That was, that was definitely a dynamic that was there, but it's accelerated in this season. And I think the way we have to navigate forward on that is to say, well, what is it that God's called our church uniquely to be? Is it, is how has he called us to reach the region that we're in? How's he called us to reach the community we're in, the kinds of people we're trying to reach and, and to not try to just be like, you know, every other church out there, there was a season and you'll remember this, Pastor Kelly, you know, there was a season kind of pre-internet before all this time where church leaders would go to Willow Creek and they would, they would come back and then they would say, we're going to be the Willow Creek of our community. And those churches were uncannily like Willow Creek. They were like, they felt exactly the same, right? Their, their lead pastors had boats, the, you know, they, they used the same scripts and all that stuff. 
where that doesn't really work in an online world anymore. So because true. what? Because instead of looking for the watered down local version of Willow Creek, I will just go to Willow Creek. I will just log on and find them if I'm interested in them. Um, but what I need to do, I think as a church leader, what we have to be doing is thinking, okay, God's called us to something unique. We can learn from other people. We can obviously leverage all those great learnings from other churches and do, but then ultimately say, what's our thing? What's, how do we want to be who we are in our community in this season? And, and sure, people might find us from some faraway place. Uh, ultimately, I think what that's going to lead is a lot of us back to being more local in our, in our, ironically, in our orientation to say, how do we become the best church we can be for the communities that we're in? How do we reach those people and use online and all that to do that? But we're trying to be uniquely our community rather than having kind of, you know, visions of grandeur of reaching people, you know, all over the world. That's so good. And I'm just to double down on that a second again is is if we try to compete with the broadcast quality of a Hillsong or of an Elevation or, you know, fill in the blank, right. whatever that church might be, we, we don't have, you know, number one, the budget, the talent, all the rest of it that they, they would have access to. But what we can double down on is is the engagement and the connectivity and the social aspect, the relationship, relationship aspect that they can't do to reach our specific community and the people that we're trying to reach. And that's really what yeah, you're talking absolutely. about. I mean, it's like, you know, stop competing at that level, learn from them at that level and, and do, you know, do excellence. You're not saying not to do excellence and to learn and to, and to take no. their ideas and, and maximize that, but really double down all of your efforts and focus on the relationship part of it and the engagement part of that. Yeah. And to use an old school example, it would be like if, Billy Graham came through your town, you know, 25 years ago and like filled the stadium and it was an amazing experience. And then the next Sunday you got together with your leadership team and said, I know what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to rent the stadium yeah. and uh, we're going to invite everybody to church. And that just wouldn't happen. I, I think that, um, you know, on the spiritual side, I think God calls some people to have that kind of uh, influence and have that kind of, and that may not be, he might be calling you to that, but he may not be calling you to that. I, you know, I had that experience. My wife and I, um, watched, uh, Hillsong's Christmas spectacular. So it's actually not their Christmas service. It's like this other thing they typically do for their community. And I watched this and I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is like the best Christmas thing ever. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like I, it was amazing. And I was super thankful for, you know, how God has blessed that leadership team and how he's used them and they're, they're having a global impact and they're reaching people all over the world and, and maybe even reaching people in my community. I should, I should be thankful for that. The lesson shouldn't be from that. Like, therefore I want to be exactly like them. You right. know, I'm going to fake an Australian accent and, <laughs> you know, and, and try to make, you know, and get the, the pulled back hair of Brian Houston and away we go. That, that's not the lesson from that. And, and so Although Again, Christmas carols I, do sound a whole lot better with an Australian accent, I don't know, there's something about it. <laughs> well, it all it. does. It all does. It all sounds way better with a with a with an Australian accent. <laughs> That's so good. That's well, let's shift gears in the few moments that sure. we have that have left. And I mean, out of your book uh, Church Growth Flywheel, which we which we talked about um, at length in in our last time together. And again, I really encourage our listeners to go back and 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 tune in to the first conversation that we had in season one. But out of that, you talk about big days. We got a big day coming up. We got Easter's is coming up. Um, and with COVID and and I mean, there's, there's certain principles that work in COVID and and you know, post-COVID and all the rest of it. Talk to us as pastors and how to maximize and and take advantage of of Easter this year and how we can prepare 
uh, for Easter to maximize the potential of the big day? Great, great question. So a uh, big days, just to kind of frame it a little bit for the listeners. So uh, big days from a church growth point of view, there are a few, maybe three or four days during the year that two things happen uh, on the same weekend. One, your people are more likely to invite their friends and their friends are more likely to attend. And so we want to put a disproportionate effort on those weekends so that our people ultimately will have a successful experience in inviting their friends. So ultimately, right. when they invite their friends, their friends will come and, and have a great experience. And Easter is one of those. The way to find those big days is really to just look at, say, the last 10 years attendance and say, what are the, on average, the, are there the same three or four largest attended days uh, of the year? And Easter is typically in the top four um, it's usually in the top one or two, uh, you know, in most churches. So Easter this year, um, if if I so last year's Easter was uh, we missed an opportunity, right? Like it was a lot right. of churches we were struggling. You know, we came through COVID and um, and it it kind of pounced on us. It was like here, and we lost an op- we lost an invite opportunity. Now at Christmas, um, we saw. Uh, some of those same dynamics across North America where we were, I think, artificially holding on for the idea of being able to be in person in some environments and some, you know, markets. And we were hoping for that and we didn't adequately plan for an online experience. Mm. My advice for people now is to plan for a robust, so bare minimum, a robust online experience, if not robust online and in person but but I would if I'm going to default between the two of those, I would default towards the online experience in this season, and this is the reason why you'll get entered. It is unlikely that in any market or very few markets in North America are you going to be able to have anywhere near 100% of people in your services this year at Easter. Right now, we know that you're in in a normal year you have to 300% normal attendance on Easter. So you're not going to be able to capture all of those people with, you know, a hundred services in person at 10%, you know, capacity (laughs) or some crazy thing like that. And so, you know, I would be, even if you've, even if you're not normally doing online, even if your church is back to doing just in person services, I would be planning now for some sort of special, you know, both, you know, both online and, and in, in person this Easter, what could that look like? Um, kids are a big deal. I would be thinking clearly on what could we do that's that's really kid friendly. You know, could mm-hmm. we be doing an online Easter egg hunt? Could we be deli- could we organize people to deliver baskets to all, you know, to 500 families on Easter Sunday morning and then, you know, drive kids to go and do, you know, something online where they're, you know, they're engaging together. Um, you know, I would be looking at an entire weekend experience asking the question of like, hey, maybe this is the year for us. A lot of churches, surprisingly, I know in Canada, Good Friday is a big deal, but that's actually not the case across the states. Um, there's a lot of parts of the country where they don't really do Good Friday services, but maybe this is the year to add a Good Friday and online right. Good Friday experience where you do something that really bookends the entire Easter message in a weekend where you have Friday and Sunday uh, together. And then on top of that, I would leverage, think really clearly around what are we leveraging out of Easter? What is our out of Easter kind of next step for people? What is the series post Easter? What are, how can we leverage that experience ultimately as kind of a warm up to get people into what's going uh, next? The, the, the kind of the bottom, I guess the punchline is, um, 
I, I really do hope at some point that we'll be able to be back in service mm-hmm. in churches all across North America on Easter. I think it's unrealistic for us to, really in any market, even in the most open markets to that, this would be that year. Right. And so what I, what I don't want you to do is to get caught, you know, you know, I think it's April 4th this year. You know, I don't want you to be, I don't want you to wake up April 2nd and be like, man, we should have done more online. Um, you know, this is the year for you to say, no, what we're going to, we're going to double down. We're going to make sure that we do a great compelling online experience that maybe is different than what you normally do, uh, as well as in person, if you have the opportunity to do that. So good. All right. So talk to us about like, so online and the next, cause you, I mean, you alluded to it, but we get, we get, yes. we do a great online experience and we, we double down on that effort. And I love the idea of, of doing something for the kids and Easter hunts and all the rest of that on, online yep. and, and just thinking through that thing. So how do we follow up? Because a lot of times online we have, you know, a number of devices and all the rest of it. And it, it, how do we most effectively follow up for the people that are going to tune in at, on Easter weekend, you know, wh- you know, and more than any other time or likely than any other time throughout the year? So how do we double down on yep. the follow up? Great, great question. So we, we have, to, so ultimately we have to think of our target is to get those people that are attending um, on Easter to get them to opt in and give us their contact information in one way or another. If we don't have their contact information, we're going to be, we're not going to be able to build momentum with them relationally long-term. So what we want to do, and we've, we've seen this work in a number of locations during this season is to come up with, uh, some sort of value add that people have to opt into. That could be a piece of content that could be maybe at Easter. It's literally like we're going to deliver Maybe it's that afternoon. If you're in these eight cities, put your address in now, and today we're going to deliver Easter eggs to your house. Um, all, all we need you to do is to fill out this form with your contact information. So we used to do this pre-COVID, right, where you would have your new year you know, guest form and all that. A lot of that, we've, we've struggled. A lot of churches have struggled with that transition, um, but it's really borrowing from the, the way that we have seen it work is to borrow from... Um, the kind of online marketing world yep. uh, where we offer some sort of, um, you know, some sort of lead bonus, like a, uh, a PDF, an online course, a, maybe it's a like three part video series on parenting. And what yep. that is, is a message series from last year that you cut up into, instead of having it being, you know, three 40 minute messages, you cut like the top 15 minutes out of each of those. You say, we're going to give this to you free. It's a, it's a free thing on parenting and just give us your email address and we'll send it to you. So you want to think clearly around what the kind of lead bonus is that they can, um, you know, they can download those in, in the online marketing world. If you're looking for stuff to search, just called a lead magnet is the, is the, the phrase you're looking for. You'd offer some sort of compelling lead magnet. Again, you have to work from what's in it for them. So what would a guest, what's the kind of thing that we could offer in our Easter experience that, that guests would give us their contact information for, um, and you know, you could test some things between now and then, uh, but then offer that as a key part of the service. Don't talk about it once. You need to talk about it two or three times during the service. You need to, you know, put it right out there, make it super easy to do. Maybe people text in or click an easy link, that sort of thing to get it, you know, out in front of people to make it real simple for them. That's, that's so good. And, and to just back up what you're saying, we did something similar at Christmas time and, and specifically at one of our campuses. And we had, we had people, you know, filling online all the rest of it and we did go to their house and deliver things and that was some of the most impactful um follow-up that we've ever done just by delivering something and, and what that meant to families especially when you deliver something for their kids 
which we yep. did, um, that was that was huge. So that's, I mean, the lead magnets and, and do all those kind of stuff really work. So fantastic. Mm -hmm. Man, thank you so much. There's been so much gold in, in, in this. Um, what are you most excited about looking into the church's future? I'm excited for this this next phase. I, I really do think, I'm hoping that as we kind of look to the post-COVID world, that we'll ask the question, how do we leverage what we've learned in the online world to make offline more compelling or in-person more compelling and then vice versa? How do we make, you know, take the kind of best of the in-person world and, and help le leverage that into the online world in my own family? Um, our church, my brother-in-law has been an active attender at our church. That is a new thing in his world. That has, that is, you know, you know, he, he had, has had a tough year. He won't listen to this. So it's fine. He's had a tough year, lost his job, was months, you know, unemployed and all that. And, and I've just been so honored that our church has been able to have church online, have a compelling way for him to get connected. And it's been so fun as, you know, my wife and him are texting about it. I do think that we have all seen, hopefully we've seen, this is a season where we realize, wow, our churches can reach more people. Um, then, then just, you know, like my friend Carrie Newhoff says, you know, if the vision of your church is 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 only as big as the number of seats you have, you don't have a God-sized vision, and I think that's very true, right? Like, and there's an opportunity for us to reach more people in this season, and so I, but I don't want us to go back to the kind of the the either or um, where it's like either online or in person. I think there's ways for us to make those things more compelling together to actually use this technology and what we've learned there to make our in-person great and vice versa, like I said uh, earlier. I think there's some exciting stuff there. And then I do think we talked a little bit about the transition piece. I, I So I'm, I was born in 1974, the lowest birth rate of the 20th century. Hey, very, I was too. Look at that. Nah, that's why I like you so much, Kelly. <laughs> and so lowest birth rate of the 20th century. Yep. So Gen X, classic Gen X. Yep. Pastor Kelly and I are classic Gen classic. X. And I have spent most of my career taking ministry opportunities from boomers and handing them to millennials. I think we're going to see more of that in this season. And I think that's exciting. I think it's an exciting opportunity for us, particularly folks who've been in senior leadership roles for a while to say, hey, how do I get some younger leaders around the table? How do I find some other people that can take this thing over? How do I how do I get the TikTokers in my church to help us figure out what to do? I still don't know what we could do on TikTok. You know, how do we how do we learn from those and apply those lessons to our church and ultimately help us reach more people? I think this is an exciting season because of those things for sure. See, the generation of church that I grew up in, uh, yep. dancing was evil. And so I felt like it's, I'm really limited in my TikTok ability to reach that next generation <laughs> because yes. and I had no practice as a kid because it was apparently a sin. So. <laughs> true. I didn't have any practice either, but you know, <laughs> oh, it's all good. This has been so good, uh, Rich. One more, one more question. If you if you got yeah, the time, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. In the future, when you look at you look ahead, I mean, you've been big on on church mergers and all the rest of it. Do you see going ahead a lot more uh, mergers happening? And just talk to us a little bit about mergers and why you think that more is going to happen, or why you think it's important yeah. that moving ahead, even in these transition times. I mean, I think the two of those go together. So, Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's no doubt there, I don't have statistics. I'm, I joke with my friend, Warren Bird, like he's the real expert. I just play one on the internet. He'll eventually end up coming out with some study on this. And I, uh, I would, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet on the fact that, you know, 2020, 2021, 2021, 2022 will be, 
a banner year for for those kinds of mergers. And that partly just comes through the conversations. Like I was saying earlier, I end up finding myself in. There's more uh, there's more openness to that uh, now than there has been in the past. And, you know, oftentimes in a pre-COVID, when we saw churches that ended up in on the on the joining church side, so this would be a church that would say, hey, we might want to join a church like My Victory and, and, and become a campus. Oftentimes, uh, one of the patterns we saw consistently was um, the church had really tried a lot of different things. They had tried a, a number of different items before they ended up saying, hey, we should merge. And I think what we're seeing in this season is an accelerant of like, oh my goodness, we've tried a lot of different things and they're not working and, and, or we're struggling with them and the pain is real and we need to figure out what to do next. I think that you add that factor with this, um, kind of leadership crisis issue. I was talking to a friend recently who works in a denomination that over the next 10 years requires there's, they have 1500 pastors retiring in the next 10 years and um they graduate and on average nine new pastors a year from their kind of like school their like bible college thing and so there's a huge gap there right they're going to graduate somewhere around 150 pastors they need 1500 well in that scenario you can see where mergers would naturally happen right where uh, you know a church finds itself without a senior pastor and um, hey, well, maybe we should join with another church in our denomination. In fact, I've one of the churches I coach, I was literally uh, just texting with uh, an executive pastor two days ago, and uh, he, he, they had been through that exact experience, a church in their, in a community that they had launched a portable campus in, and the pastor retired, and they kind of were struggling through COVID, trying to figure out what to do next. And the the past, that that church came to them and said, hey, would you ever consider us to become a campus. And so that church ended up giving over their building and they, the, the, the lead church moved their portable location into this permanent, this permanent building invested reinvigorated life and excitement. So I think in some ways the merger thing, it's like a, it's a number of factors coming together, right? It's, it's also even in the early, earlier part of this conversation, it's, it's the, uh, the ability of leaders in the joining churches to be able to sample your church where before like 10, 10 years ago, it would be difficult. If you're, if you're like an elder at a church that's struggling, you're there every Sunday, you're never leaving, right? You're always there. You're never checking anything else out. Well, in this season, people are actually able to, they're able to come to my victory. They're able to come to Connexus or whatever church you're a part of because they just come on Tuesday and they watch your video. They get a sense of what you're doing. That it will be an accelerating factor in, in the season. So I think there's huge opportunity. I think specifically for you guys, I think you'll see more of that. There'll be more opportunities, uh, you know, as, as we go forward. So it's exciting times. Yeah, it is exciting times and we are having conversations like that already. And that's one of the reasons why I brought up, well, thank you so much for uh, your time. And I encourage everyone watching or listening. Uh, if you, you have to follow rich on seminary.com, you, uh, all things, conversations, church, uh, mergers, future, uh, COVID pastoring leadership stuff. <laughs> it, it is, it is brilliant. Um, I love how your mind works. I learned so much from you and, uh, I so appreciate you taking the time to be with us today and contributing to GoCast. So thank you so much, Rich, for, for joining us today. Thanks so much. 
Wow, what a great conversation with Pastor Rich Birch, uh, and amazing. And for those of you who uh, might be curious about this, we did interview Rich in season one. That's episode seven. I'd encourage you to go back and see that. But this this content is great. So many so many good things that he said in there. What, what stood out to you? Yeah, absolutely. From a different perspective in this season, he's so right when he said that we can't just broadcast church anymore. There's so many churches out there that are throwing a video camera up in their sanctuary and they're just videoing it, but they're not giving the engagement side of what we experience in a live church service. So we can't just broadcast church anymore. We have to find different engagement elements to bring people from home into the experience. Man, we've he's so right on that. We've been talking about that as a church for uh, a couple months now and, and feeling the same thing. And we're making some major adjustments uh, on our online services and what we're doing. We got some exciting news about that coming up at, at our church. But we we said that exact same thing that, okay, well, all of us were forced to go online. We were online before, so it was a quick, you know, easy adjustment. But it is just broadcasting is not pastoring. And, and we can put, you know, our, we can put up our services online and have people watch and tune in, but that's not making disciples. Jesus told us to go make disciples, and it's that's only not half, doing it. Only half of the equation. That's only yeah. giving them information, but that's not giving them necessarily the, the deeper connection and relationship. So that's so good. There's so many things that we can learn in that and we want to continue the conversation if you have thoughts or ideas or things that things that sparked in your your minds as you were listening to rich talk and thought this confirms or i've been thinking this and we're looking at doing this man share your ideas we really do want GoCast to become a community of engagement not just listening but participation we want to hear from you wherever you are wherever you're pastoring we want to hear or leading participating, attending in the church. We want to hear from you. And so how can people connect with us and so we can hear from them as well? Absolutely. So you can find GoCast on any of the major podcast platforms. You can also go to gocast.ca. Awesome. Or join with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram. We're all there. And don't just, again, listen or watch what we are putting out. We really do want to hear from you. I cannot stress that enough. And especially in this season, I really do think that as church leaders, we need each other and we need to be hearing from one another. And speaking of which, that is a big part of the conversation that that I have with my friend, Pastor Leon Fontaine, which is coming up next week, is going to be a great conversation. It's actually going to be a two-part conversation, but in part one, we are going to be talking to Pastor Leon about, man, what he's been going through in COVID, and he leads a multi-site church in multiple provinces in Canada, plus he's the CEO of the Miracle Channel, Christian uh, television station in Canada. As well as he's doing, he's actually on boards of other organizations around the world and uh, a renowned speaker, author, and a great friend. So here's a snippet of my conversation with Pastor Leon Fontaine. The Church of Jesus Christ should always be advancing in this militarized zone of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Here's our problem. We haven't been. We think the war is just taking place because our rights and our freedoms personally are being attacked. And if you look at rights and freedoms too much as a servant of Jesus Christ, you forget your duties and responsibilities. And so what is our duty 
What's our responsibility? It's to reach out to a world. The world was, the, the church just took country after country because we cared for people. We walked into disease-ridden towns and cared for them and, and walked in health and protection or they died there with them. But they loved and they cared and they reached out. And today, we're just another doctrinal religion. It's going to be a great conversation with Pastor Leon Fontaine. You're not going to want to miss what he has to say. So much richness in that conversation. Can't wait to share it with all of you. Thank you so much for joining us at GoCast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.